I'd like to uh, extend a huge warm welcome to Madeleine Donano, who's the CEO of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, which is the leading research-based nonprofit that investigates representation of female characters in film and media. And today's focus is on innovation, and Madeleine will, will be introducing an innovative new tool um, in this research and demonstrating it for the first time in Europe. So it's a real coup for us, and we're, we're really honoured that that it's going to be the first European uh, testing of the Gina Davis inclusion quotient. Um, for this, we've selected the top Irish film performing at the Irish box office for 2015 and 2016. So that's what we've, we've chosen. So that's all from me. Um, thank you very much. We have a great, uh, great event today and looking forward to, uh, to getting started. Madeline. Good morning. Thank you for uh, spending your Saturday morning. Can you hear me? Okay, good. So how many of you, I just I have a very loud New York voice, so I don't want to blow your eardrums this early in the morning. How many of you are familiar with the Gina Davis Institute? Everybody, just about everybody. Great. So, uh, so we focus on research because uh, Gina's a pretty smart person. She's very... Uh, compulsive, obsessive, and when she digs her heels in, she really digs her heels in. And she decided to take a research approach when she noticed that there were very few female characters in actually what she, she was watching with her kid. So fast forward, and there's been a momentum building. We have people like yourselves, women in film and TV, all over the world that are starting to get into this gender and media issue. And uh, research is very expensive, and it's very time-consuming, and we wanted more real-time data. So a few years ago, uh, Google uh, said, uh, we wonder if computer science can help you do your research cheaper, better, deeper. So that's how this thing uh, came about. So $1.2 million, and two years later, we have the Gina Davis Inclusion quotient, we call it GDIQ, and what it allows us to do are a few key things. One is take a whole bunch of data, uh, number two, um, be able to cross-reference it, push out a lot of data in real time. So essentially in the time it takes to run a movie, we can run a movie, whereas previously it could take six months to a year to run this kind of data with 120 grad students watching and coding and watching and coding and watching and coding. And um, also what's revealing about this is when you think about unconscious gender bias, which is really what it is about, it really starts to unpack it in a way that the human eye can't really see. So, so that's what we're going to do. And then, so the first thing I'm going to show you, I kind of Rube Goldberg this, uh, this presentation is. So I'm going to show you a demonstration um, of speaking time. And the video is going to play right away. Um, but I'm sure you're very familiar uh, with this movie. And what you're going to see is um, the, uh, the male character is speaking in, I think it'll be gray, um, and then white is just blank, and then the female character is kind of in a peach color. So let's see if this works. I couldn't do what I do without you. 
and I've been thinking about doing something special for you, so... Gravy, fine. Oh, that's... You're a crazy cupcake! So, also what it does is the... You can see how it discerns the gender, so the blue box was for the male character, and the green box is for the female character. So it automatically just plucks out the gender, <clears throat> and then it starts to measure the um, the speaking time. So this next one is actually going to show one of the things I don't have actually done yet, but one of the things is really important to us is crowd scenes, uh, because... That's the one thing that most people hadn't thought about. Everybody understands, well, there's only one female lead or co-leads, but no one had really thought about crowd scenes. So this is um, this next slide, because the video is going to play, is a demonstration of how we're now, we're almost ready to release crowd scenes. So I'm going to go to the next one. I told my ma. <laughs> <laughs> So you see with all the little boxes, we're able to um, get crowd scenes, which traditionally has only been about 17% uh, female. Um, So now um, what I'm going to do is just talk to you about um, our first realm. So what we did is we looked at the top, this is U.S., the top 100 films of 2014 and the top 100 films of 2015. But what I'm going to focus on this morning is the 2015 films. And so the first thing we're going to look at is uh, screen time. And so overall, in terms of all male characters, uh, male characters appear on screen twice as often as, as female characters. And then if you look at it by leads, in films with male leads, Male characters appear three times as that, as female characters. So you could see the difference uh, in terms of male and female leads. And then in terms of speaking time, it's kind of the, the same numbers. In films with male leads, male characters speak nearly three times as often as female characters. And then when you look at by leads, same thing. In films with, oops, let me go back to that one. In films with male leads, male characters speak nearly three times as often. So the thought bubble is, how is it possible that all the second ADs shoot the same way? How is it possible across 200 of the largest grossing films in the United States, which you know, come over here, that everybody has the same point of view? So if you're an actor, and I've joked with Gina and actors that we're friends with, I said, well, you better really break down that script in a whole nother way. You better count every word, really break it down, and then you better make sure that camera's on you the whole time. I mean, it's just, it's what you, that's really what it's about when you think about that. But the flip side, this is, um, so there's the social case. We all get the social case. But what about the business case? And, and, and this was really interesting. So Of the top 100 films of 2015, the films that were led by female did 16% more at the box office. 
look at these numbers. I mean, these are massive numbers. And then, um, let me just go to the next one. And then also, films with male and female co-leads did almost 25% more at the box office. So there's a business imperative, and, and that's really, really important because what we find is as people are trying to sell films and try to get distribution and try, particularly try to sell it in the U.S. to an international market, there's still a tremendous amount of pushback from, from these buyers. And so if we can start to show this, and if this stays relevant, the idea that men won't watch women is bogus, and that, that, that's a myth. It's a myth. So it's really important that we're able to prove out these numbers. Uh, so now what we did is uh, Rachel asked if we could run the tool with the two films. So let's, do, let's go there. Um, so this is Brooklyn, a film that I absolutely, absolutely loved. And what you can see is uh, this is what we were able to run is screen time and speaking time for all of the characters. So this isn't broken down by character, but for all the characters. So essentially, it was fairly, e almost even, um, a little bit more on the speaking time with the female characters. And when you think about, um, you know, in the beginning, she's living in a house. You know, it's all female characters. Um, and then it's a little bit later on where she gets into the relationship and gets um, ingratiated, you know, into his family. So, so that it's a really positive um, a positive indication. Um, and, then the, and then the next film, we looked at Room, another phenomenal film. And clearly, because the, you have a female protagonist, it's really her and the son the whole time, you know, except for um, at the end, you can see that it's uh, screen time is, you know, 70%, and then uh, speaking time pretty much so is, is dominated, you know, by her. Um, so it, it just automatically can just, you know, extract that. Uh, so we're really, really excited about that. Um, before I move on, just because we're a small group, does anyone have any questions about it? Cool. Yeah. Yes, it would. Um, and then, so if you say, well, that doesn't add up to 100, it's because sometimes there's just no talking or there's nothing. So there's that, you have to account for kind of the, the nothing that's going on as well. And that's what makes, uh, that's why we have to calibrate it. Is there a narrator? Um, what is the voice of the narrator? And it was interesting because we were talking about animation. We're also working on animation and we're working on age, we're working on diversity and a number of other things. And um, it's definitely a challenge because in animation you have different types of depths of field and and so it's been tricky. We, we are testing it. I mean, we'll probably roll that out next year. Uh, but animation has definitely been a big challenge for us. So the next um, group of slides I thought I would um, share with you is from a global study that we did where we looked at the 10 largest film markets around the world, and uh, we looked at um, 
female characters, co-leads, and we looked at balanced casts. And really, just to make the point, uh, I want you to look at the bottom. Look at the UK, US, UK, and US. So because there's so many US, UK collaborations, we had to create almost another market. And it's interesting, you look at the UK, oh, you know, almost 40% female characters, that looks pretty good. And then, you know, you look at the US, and then you look at US, UK. So the US totally pulls down the UK completely. Um, so for us, the question is, well, what happens when the United States gets into a market? Are we going to totally destroy, you know, mess up China and a lot of other countries? Because what happens when US money comes into a marketplace? Uh, so, so I just thought that was interesting to point out because you look at China uh, with their leads and um, even in uh, you know, Brazil and some of the other countries. Uh, so the next thing is some of the other data points we look at is hypersexualization. And essentially, I mean, look at these, look at these numbers. I mean, for the most part, female characters are four times as sexualized as, as male characters. So, and this, this was across um, all 10 countries, but then we kind of broke it down. And uh, you can see you know, the variety you know, of the numbers. Uh, and again, you know, look at the UK, look at the US, and then look at US-UK. You know, once again, uh, we just pulled their numbers down. And you can see definitely a, a huge variance uh, based on the countries. Um, so it's very interesting. And, and in some countries, there's more sexualization, but then, for example, maybe language. It's interesting, uh, certain countries, what language is acceptable. Like, American swear words, say, for Korea is okay, uh, but not the Korean version of that in their own language. So there's a lot of variables by that. Let's see. So, whoops, back up. So the other thing we look at is uh, career. So this was across all, all of the uh, countries. And because we think about if our children, in particular young children, are consuming a lot of media, and they may not have the critical thinking skills. And if you think about role models, we were talking about that earlier, and how media can play a positive influence in maybe igniting a passion, you know, for a girl to pursue a certain career. But when you look at these numbers, I mean, look at the C-suites. It's almost 90%, you know, male. Um, when you look at politics, again, almost 90% male. And look at all of those categories, law, academia, medicine, sports even. And it's very interesting, uh, our partners at J. Walter Thompson recently ran some numbers, and they said that uh, they did a study of uh, 7,300 women around the world in nine countries, and they found that uh, 12 to 15% of them pursued a sport because of something that they saw in a film or TV. And the economic connection to that is women who play sports are 40% more employable, so there's, there's an economic um, long tail to this, which, which we're, we're diving into. And then, I mean, Dublin, Ireland is a huge, huge tech 
tech's epicenter in the world. And when you think about STEM, which has been a big deal for us in the United States, because we know by 2020, just in the U.S. alone, there'll be probably almost 2 million jobs that we can't fill at all because our children aren't pursuing STEM. And so the way we broke this out was life and physical science, which is your doctors. And we know women are coming out of medical school. They dominate it, you know, for sure. Uh, they fall out of the pipeline, or they tend to choose uh, more female-centric kind of fields. But when you think about computer science, you know, 17%, engineering, math, other, we're not showing our, our girls or our boys that these are career options. And it has that very stereotypical geek glasses, soda bottle, you know, kind of, you know, image that we're definitely um, trying to change. And so you think about, okay, this is what's happening on screen, but what's happening behind the camera? And this is across all those 11 markets. So it's essentially a four to one ratio of, of men to women. And as you know, as storytellers, you either write what you know, or as I'm going to quote Peter Page, who's an actor and producer of a, right now he has a TV show called The Fosters on Freeform, which used to be ABC Family. Why they changed his name, I don't know. But, or you write what you love. So if behind the camera, it's a four to one ratio, well then of course you're not going to see a lot of female presence on screen. But what happens when women are in the driver's seat? Look at the numbers. So in the US, it's actually a 10% increase in on-screen roles. But across this international, it's about 6.8 to 7.5% of on-screen roles. So one of the solutions is we have to get more women in the pipeline in behind the camera as writers, directors, producers. So that's a really, really important thing to work on. And so we kind of keep it simple, and, and we were talking about this before, is look at, you kind of have to check yourself, because it really is, God bless you. One more, Gesundheit. I can keep doing it in different languages. Um, look, at the, the, look at the breakdowns. Look at the scripts. It was interesting. One of the first times when we presented years ago, and the head of casting for a major movie, movie studio was like this at the end of the presentation. And she said, we go through every script that we get here. And we think about, could this character be African-American? Could this character be Asian? Could this character be American Indian? But we had never thought, could this character be female? And I think now, nearly 10 years later, people are starting to ask that question. But a few interesting stories. So last year, so last year, we did an event. It was with the Producers Guild, uh, Directors Guild, Writers Guild, West, and, uh, and Google. And it was Gina, Peter Page, Shonda Rhimes, and I'm forgetting who else was on the panel. And so... And Gina actually worked for Shonda Rhimes because she was on this TV show called Grey's Anatomy for a season. And Shonda had never thought about the background characters. And there's no one who does gender and diversity better in the United States than Shonda Rhimes. So following, after this panel, she actually went back through all of her shows 
and looked at the background characters and actually changed out a lot of characters from male to female. Another example uh, from that very panel is, uh, have, any of you, have any of you watched an American TV show called Empire? Okay. So one of the writers at the time was a woman by the name of Wendy Calhoun. She's now a showrunner on a different show. And this was season two. And she happened to be in the audience. And uh, she said, we were kicking around a new character. And in the writer's room, we called it Rich T. White Guy. And it was a venture capitalist. And she thought, hmm, I wonder if that venture capitalist could be female. So like any writer, like all of you, you ground whatever the characters are in reality. And she found binders full of female venture capitalists and went back into the writer's room and pitched it. <clears throat> and no one could refute it because she had tons and tons and tons of examples. And uh, who's familiar with, really familiar with the show? Does anyone want to guess who played that character? It was actually Marissa Tomai. In season two. So that was the character. Uh, another example, when we were talking about animation, so a few years ago, Monsters University <clears throat> was directed by a guy by the name of Dan Scanlon. And for those of, well, you're all in the business, so you probably know it takes three to five years. Brave took 12 years. But three to five years for an animated movie to come out. So if we don't catch it right in the very beginning, if you're three quarters of the way through the animation, it's not a lot of change you're going to be able to make. So we, we go up to Pixar, you know, every other year. And he said, I remember when you were here two or three years ago. Well, I remember what you said about the background scenes. And I want you to go see my new movie, Monsters University, because I made sure it was 50% female. And he did, and he was able to do it because, if you, has anyone seen the movie? On a college campus, oodles and oodles and oodles of female characters throughout the whole movie. So that's another example. And then, uh, uh, has anyone been watching Jessica Jones? Yeah. <clears throat> so we're very close to Melissa Rosenberg, the, the showrunner. And uh, she tells a funny story. She said, I, I tell my second AD, in terms of setting up the scenes, whatever you're going to do, do the opposite. And then I know it will be completely uh, gender balanced. Uh, so those are... Just some of our suggestions. Whoops. And then, um, so people say, well, what's your impact? And so every couple of years, we'll do a survey of a few thousand industry executives who have either heard a presentation or been in a meeting with us. And we always get high figures in terms of, you know, 90, over 90% are going to use it or they're going to share it in their work. And we said, well, kind of what are you really doing with it? And 68% said, well, I changed two or more projects. And 41% said, well, I've changed four more projects. And we said, well, what did you do? And they said, well, I hired some female crew. I put some clothes on the character, made them less sexualized. I took some non-speaking characters. And I'll give you an example. So a few years ago, this was the first version. Uh, Sony Animation came out with a movie called Hotel Transylvania. And... Michelle Madraka was the producer on the film. It was Happy Madison production. And by the time she heard us speak, they were deep, deep into production. 
And she thought, oh my goodness, what could I do? And has, has anyone seen the movies? So what she did is she tripled up the witches and the hags flying around just to put a lot more female presence. And then she was able to take one of the uh, non-speaking characters and there was a whole little scene with, with Count Dracula that they were able to, able to do. Um, so that's, you know, another, uh, another example of things. And then lastly, gave the female character a job. So, I mean, those are some of the things, uh, that we've changed. So, Next on the horizon for us, now that we have the tool, clearly crowd scenes, uh, we're working on diversity, age, and then we'll get into more contextual things, what the relationship's with, and we're going to start publishing on a more regular basis. So right now we're starting to work on uh, 2016, as much of 2016 as possible. So that's kind of the, you know, the future for us.